Hey friends, we hope this message from C3 Fort Worth helps you see Jesus like never before. And if you're in or around Fort Worth, we'd love to meet you on a Sunday or at one of our weekly dinner parties. Uh, well, you said this last week, uh, change of place, change of pace, change of perspective. And one of the interesting things that we're doing this year that we've never done, uh, we've done hints of it. And sometimes you'll see this churches are doing Advent without telling you they're doing Advent. So you'll see like peace, hope, love, joy. Well, that's Advent. That's built on the Advent calendar. And, uh, and so we've started into the church calendar. One of the other things that happens is there's a, something called the lectionary. Again, I don't know if we'll do this forever. I've enjoyed it because I've preached things that I've never preached before. And I've been preaching for two decades. And, uh, and so it's, it's a wild thing for me to be preaching parts of Scripture that I've never preached or I've never preached in the way that I've been preaching them. And so it's a really cool experience. And what you heard today, you heard Jesse start us with Psalms, for those of you who are good Christians and got here on time. You heard Jesse read from the Psalm that was for today. You just heard me read out of 1 Corinthians. That is the, that is the epistle for today. And what you're going to hear from me now is the Gospel of John, which is the Gospel for today. Now, now I'm not saying that somehow this is exactly what you have to read today. Of course, if you've read something else, it's fine. The purpose, though, is that there's a unity around the world right now of people reading. There's thousands and thousands of churches reading the same scripture that we're reading right now. And what is also wild is that it did tie in, that it did actually make sense. And what I've been blown away by with what we've been reading um, and what we've been sharing, and even what, we're, what we'll be reading come Easter, which is in four weeks, April 4th, the weekend of April 4th. We're doing a Good Friday service, and we got Sunday morning. Um, I'm really excited about Easter, not because we've got some big show happening, but because it's Easter, because Jesus rose again. Amen? We don't need all the other stuff. We'll have it, because we like it, but Jesus rose again. Amen? And, um, and so I'm, I'm really excited about what we're doing there. But the verse for that day, I've already looked at it. It's act, out of Acts. It's one of the verses. There's a lot for Easter. They really pile it on, right? And uh, one of the verses is the gospel of peace. The, the apostles, the, the disciples, as they're preaching post uh, the resurrection of Jesus' ascension, is that they're preaching the gospel, the good news of peace. How many think that's applicable right now? The gospel, the good news of peace. Come on, that, that Jesus got rid of the enmity between Gentiles and Jews. Kind of like the blue and the red of their day. Actually, it was probably more heated than that. Far more, actually. Yeah, like a lot more. And we're going to show that a little bit today. And so I'm just, I'm excited. I'm, I told Mary a couple times this week that the Bible, and, I, you know, it's weird for me to even say this, but the Bible is coming alive to me in ways that, man, I'm telling you, it's, I'm loving it right now. And if you're on the 40 days of Jesus and people with us as we're observing Lent, uh, serving people, loving people, um, and I know we launched it at the same time that snow showed up, and so some of us didn't know that this is going on, you can still do that. Uh, 40 days of prayer, so 40 days with Jesus and 40 days with people. And so there's really easy, very practical ways to serve neighbors. Uh, we've talked we talked over the fence like um, like home improvement style yesterday. Some of you don't know what that is. It's okay. And... Uh, and what's his name? I don't remember the dude's name, but always had his eyes. Wilson always had his eyes over the fence. We did that yesterday, and it was awesome. And we invited him to our dinner party. It's going to happen in our cul-de-sac. And they were like, can we help plan it? And we are like, do you want to? Yeah. Um, he's what? He's from England, and so he's got a soccer flag in the backyard. And so we've already got, we, I'm pretty sure we're going to have to need more tables than, than we planned. But, um, 
But I'm, I'm excited about this, and I'm excited about what I'm, how I'm seeing Jesus. I'm not, listen, I don't think you ever see Jesus in his fullness. I think every day he's revealing more and more of himself to you. And if you feel like, if we ever arrive at a place where we feel like we've figured out everything, we've lost everything. Our witness is not based on what we figured out about right and wrong. Our witness is what we've discovered about Jesus. Plain and simple. In fact, what we're going to need as a church, as for, I was driving into town, I'm not even to my message, we need to get there. You guys are good, man, I love y'all. Thank you guys for, I appreciate it. Um, I have to let you go because otherwise I'm going to end up kicking your stuff. And I, don't, I can't afford that. So, I, um, but I, uh, I was driving here and there's a new store, a new shop that has opened up on the way out of town on the east side of Fort Worth. And there's billboards everywhere. And it's not an appropriate store. Um, they call it a romance store. It's not. Um, and, and I remember thinking this as I was driving in. And I, I, I look a lot at, at, at just different discussions that are happening around the country, especially on the east and west coast. And because usually what happens on the east and west coast eventually makes its way into the middle of the country and, and, uh, and vice versa. But I just, it's, it's a really interesting dynamic. And uh, hello, skinny jeans. It was, I'm just telling you, it happened. And, uh, and so, um, but now they're not skinny anymore. I almost bought some of the garage sale. That was supposed to be baggy and nobody would let me. Yeah, that's what that was. So, uh, um, but I was driving in. I just, wanted, I just wanted to tell you this, and this is for our church, okay? This is me maybe discipling our church a little bit. But as our city grows, as the city of Fort Worth grows, both in commerce and influence and population, uh, what will happen is as it becomes more and more of an urban center, as it becomes more and more of a downtown type space, um, you, you will begin to encounter conversations and situations. When we talk about um, all the, the, the issues of our culture, it w- they will become more and more prevalent. And what I, want to, I want you to understand our position on this. And I'm, I'm, I will absolutely speak to things, and I have no problem with that. I won't do it on social media because I think it's a terrible place to do it. Um, so if you have questions about it, I've messaged some of you guys, and we've had good discussions, and that's how I'm probably going to keep it. Um, but I... I, I I want you to understand that our, our greatest witness to this city will not be in our ability to uphold right and wrong. There will be a place for that. Don't tell, I'm not trying to tell you that we're compromising righteousness or any of those things. But please understand, your righteousness isn't yours anyways. Your righteousness is not because you figured it out and do it all good. Your righteousness is from him. Period. And so I say that to say our greatest witness will not be our ability to hit the check boxes. Our greatest witness will be our witness. It will be that we see him and look like him. That will be it, that we bring the presence of God into every scenario and situation. To sit at a lot of tables. I wrote something this week because I saw this prayer going around that said, um, Lord, Lord, forgive me where I've desired to sit at tables that you would have flipped. Well, I understand the sentiment. And I understand, in fact, there's probably places where that prayer applies. That prayer doesn't work in the same way that, Lord, help me to sit at tables that I want to flip. Because Jesus was so good at sitting with Pharisees and tax collectors, sitting with the poor and the rich, the broken. and He was always about sitting at tables more than flipping them. He only did it once. And he didn't go back and tell his disciples to do it. In all the other places, he modeled foot washing. He did it and told them, this is what you should do. That was what, he, this is your model. That as, you, as people walk through life and their feet get dirty, wash them off. 
Make them feel welcome in your home. When he flipped the table, he was doing something prophetic and declarative. He was, and we're going to talk about it. I'm getting into it, and I'm not. Okay, so John chapter 1, or 2. John chapter 2, John chapter 2, verse 13. And so uh, we do have, uh, we're going to lunch again today. How many of you went smokestack with us last week? That food is so good. Um, and it's outside, and it's even better outside today than it was last week. Although last week was pretty good. I saw we got like two drops, and everybody ran inside, and then it didn't rain the rest of the time. So that was awesome. Uh, but they've got covered, so it's outside. It's a food truck, so uh, it takes a little while. But honestly, it didn't take, and we were just enjoying it. Everybody's hanging out, and uh, it was a blast. We met the bartender, Sammy. He said he's going to come hang out at church here pretty soon. Um, and so I, I'm I, like, that's going to be a blast. We've got dinner parties going, so make sure you're checking out dinner parties. Some of them are looking a little different right now in the season that we're in as a city and country, and so be aware of that. And then we've got um, our noon prayer. We had three people at it last week. We had six or seven people at it this week. I'd love to see 10 to 15 people at it. Every Wednesday, we're gathering here at noon. We start right at noon, uh, you, and you can spread out and take, take your space and, um, and just have a moment in your week. Uh, to, to seek the Lord and to pray. And they've been really, really good. You can catch them online too, and uh, and we'd love for you to do that. And like I said, in a few weeks, we got Easter, so get ready. It's going to be it's gonna be good. All right, John chapter 2. I'm going to read the story of Jesus uh, flipping the tables, cleansing the temple. And uh, and again, uh, I've never, I don't know that I've ever preached a message around this. Uh, I've definitely heard messages preached, and we've touched on them before. But I, I don't know if you, maybe you are familiar with this and you've heard this story. And if you're not, good, because I hope today that we'll give you a, a bit of a different bent on it. And, um, and, and just remember that our vision here is for you to see Jesus. That's it. Like everything about this is that you would see Jesus. And that goes for everyone. I remember sitting with Will and Claire. This has been a couple years back. And, uh, and, and they're just inquisitive. They're very, very smart, uh, wise people. And, uh, and uh, they, are, they are. They just are. And, uh, and so... Um, we were talking about this phrase, see Jesus on every street and every heart, and we're talking about what all that means. And I think I, I think I was on the phone with Will or something, and I, I've talked to some of you guys about this, of course. But I remember wanting to say this. I want people to see Jesus, and I, that goes for the Christians and the non Like, I want this to go for people who think they know him and people who think they do, don't. Right? I want, pe- I want every single week for us to come in and go to see Jesus like never before means today. I don't care how many times I've been to church. I want to see Jesus like I've never seen him before. That's the goal. And so here's why. So that every one of us is in here on equal footing. No one's coming in here going, I've got it. I figured it out. I know. I got it. It's all good. I don't like churches like that. Because in 15 years, they'll be empty. Because if you figured it out, why do you got to keep coming? We are a body of believers who are still believing and don't stop believing. And, uh, and, and want to come together and be the body of Christ and reorient our love for Jesus, return to him to make sure that we're keeping our eyes on him. And so I really want to encourage you in that, that we don't ever come in here like, oh, we got it, we figured it out. But we always come in in a posture of going, how can I see Jesus even more today? And I think for some of you guys, even over the last several months, would say that you've heard a message or something that you're like, I didn't know that before. And that's the goal, because that's happening for me. And I hope it's happening for you. And so I, I, I really desire that. So John chapter 2, you've, and you've heard this story as Jesus cleansing the temple, and you've heard messages about, like, righteous anger, right? This is, this is righteous anger. This is Jesus being allowed to be angry, and there's some of that here. Um, for some, it was all about marketplace. They had made it a commercial 
kind of enterprise. And, and so Jesus was trying to remind them that's not what this is. And there's absolutely some of that. And here we're going to talk about that. But there's an element that this week I, I read and, and listened and talked about that, that, um, that really hit me in a new way. And, and I, I want to show that to you in just a moment. So John chapter 2. So I'm calling this message Clear Path because I just couldn't get creative with it uh, this time. So John chapter 2, Clear Path. John chapter 2, we'll start in verse uh, 13. All right, the Jewish Passover was near, so Jesus went to Jerusalem. There were so many journeys and seasons and festivals in uh, Jewish tradition, and uh, I loved it. it was always, they always served of a reminder of something. Passover was a reminder of the Israelites being set free from Egypt and how Jesus and how God had crossed over their houses because of the blood. And so really, really powerful there. Verse 14, in the temple complex, he found people selling oxen, sheep, doves, and he also found the money changers sitting there. After making a whip out of cords, I just, remember, I want you to think of Jesus. I want you to think of all the pictures you have of Jesus. Uh, I want you to think about all the cute, um, you know, hanging out with sheep pictures of Jesus. I want you to think about all those pictures, and then I want you to think about this vision of Jesus. After, this is like, to me, this is such an interesting thing. Like, did he go off to the side and just like slowly, while glaring at everyone in the, you know, in the courts, just start putting together You know what I'm saying? Like a dad who's like about to discipline their child who goes and sits down and slowly grabs, you know, well, I don't know what y'all think about discipline, but but slowly, like I'm about to do this. Like counts three to one, but counts it really slow, three. Right? Putting together the whip, two. No, I don't, I'm not saying I'm connected to the story. Right, like Jesus is over there like putting something de- together and the disciples are going, what is, what is he doing? Like what's happening? We're just coming to the temple. Why is he going to make a scene? Is he going to do this now? Now is when he's going to, Passover when everybody's here. Now's been, like, now is when he wants to do this. Like couldn't wait till a Tuesday afternoon when it's less busy, less of a crowd. Like you couldn't just wait until like only seven people saw what's about to happen. Like what is he about to, Jesus has never had a, why does he have a whip? Jesus, after making a whip out of cords, he drove everyone out of the temple complex with their sheep and oxen. I want you to think about, I'm just tell, I want you to think about Jesus running around temple courts with a whip in his hands. Like just, y'all get, like I don't know, it's just, it doesn't fit. Like I don't, that's not the Jesus I'm used to. Like running around like a madman with a, with a whip, just like, This isn't normal. This isn't like every Tuesday, Jesus whip time. Like, that's not what this was. This is like, this is a very different scene. What's going on here? Jesus is running around telling them to leave, driving them all out. He poured out the money changers' coins and overturned the tables. He told those who were selling doves, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. And his disciples remembered that it is written, zeal, this is out of Ezekiel, zeal for for your house will consume me. Zeal for your house will consume me. Verse 18, so the Jews replied to him, what sign of authority? Because this is what's happening, right? For him to, quote, cleanse the temple. For him to cleanse the temple was a prophetic messianic act. This was not something that just anybody could do. What Jesus is doing in this moment is saying, I am the one who has the authority to make right what you have made wrong. 
I am the one who is able and allowed to do all of these things. So why did the Jews then turn around? And this also gives us some idea that Jesus didn't drive out everyone and get crazy with everyone. Most likely he used the whip to drive out the animals. Most likely he was not hitting people with a whip. I just want to settle you down a little bit. I was doing the other part for a little bit of theatrics. It's what preachers do. Um, but he's driving out the animals. He's getting everyone out. He's, he's making the, the oxen go so the guys who brought the oxen would have to chase him out. He's, he's making sure, get out of here, flipping the tables, pouring out the money, doing all this stuff. But the Jews are still there and they go, what are you doing? What authority do you have to do this? Well, why would they ask that question? Because what he just did was a declaration of authority. I have the authority to flip tables. I have the authority to make this temple what it was meant to be. So their question is a, wait, do you think you're the Messiah? Do you think you're the, you think you're the guy? How, prove it. Show me that that's what would happen. In fact, for the disciples, when they heard, when in their minds and hearts, they heard this zeal for the house will over consume him. When they read that, when they remembered that, because they would memorize scripture their whole growing up life. They would just do it all as children, always memorizing scripture. So they would remember this zeal for his house would overtake him. Whoa, okay, so like that's what he's doing right now. This was a declaration by Jesus. Jesus was not just mad about money. Jesus was not just mad about the commerce. Jesus was declaring something about himself. And so the Christians and the non-Christians, everyone in the court was seeing Jesus like never before. Every single one of them, the disciples are going, oh, oh, zeal for his house. Oh, this is the, this, this is, again, every little thing Jesus did was just telling the disciples one thing at a time. Yeah, I'm the dude. And he's doing it in front of the Jewish priests and those who were selling. The, he's doing it there to tell them, yeah, I've arrived. Every, just a little bit at a time, each time. Now, he's also making the religious leaders of the day upset because they didn't believe in his authority. So it's another opportunity, another act of him making the religious leaders of the day upset. They had a good system. They had something going on here that was working for them. So the Jews replied to him, what sign of authority will you show us for doing these things? And Jesus answered, well, destroy this sanctuary, and I will raise it up in three days. Again, another statement. Destroy this, all of this, everything that you've done here, destroy it, and I'll bring it up in three days. Now, obviously, you know now, looking backwards through history, you know what that means. That Jesus would die on a cross, and in three days, he would rise again, and he and you and I would become the temples of the risen Christ. I will build it up, and I'm not going to build this one. I'm going to build the one that is meant to live on forever. See, I'm telling you, isn't this cool? This is like this. The Bible comes alive when you let it work. So the Jews replied, what, what authority? Go, I'll destroy this, and I'll raise it up in three days. Therefore, the Jews said, this sanctuary took 46 years to build, and you'll raise it up in three days. What are you talking about? 46 years. Well, Herod, there was another temple that Herod had seen, and he didn't like it. It's kind of like the, the skyscrapers in New York. They would add an antenna just to make it a few more feet. This was 35 acres of temple right here. Herod only wanted it to be bigger than the last temple. And so Herod as king, he's not doing this because he is a believer. He's doing this because he wants political clout with the Jewish people. And he wants to be the one who had the biggest he, listen, man, 
This stuff applies to us today, doesn't it? I just want to be the one who makes you think I'm for you, so I'm going to build you a temple so that when I say I need this and I need that and I need this, you're going to show up and you're going to say, yeah, okay, cool. I'm going to be the one who does this so that I can be the name on the building. that They might remember that Jesus was here one day, but I, my name was on the building. Come on, this has all kinds of intersections with the way we are doing things, politics, church, culture. It's all, it's all over the place. It's why Jesus is as relevant now as he has ever been in my life. Because what is happening right now in our culture, Jesus is the answer for it. And, and you can, you know, it used to be like you would say, what's the answer? And you'd say Jesus, and you'd be like, it covers everything. And now I kind of feel like it does. It does. It's so wild. I can, I, we have these conversations around difficult topics, and then at the end of it, both of you are exasperated, and you're going, I don't know the answer. And you're like, oh, Jesus. Talk yourself in circles, argue with your friends. Have a drink with buddies and, and, and talk all night about something. At the end, you, neither one of you still, neither one of you know. You act like you do, but you don't really know. And so you kind of go, oh, I wonder if there's someone who, like, has a kingdom that doesn't look like anything on the earth. I wonder if there's one who has a kingdom that doesn't operate according to the standards and the systems of the earth. I wonder if there's one who could bring a culture that would be just different than anything that I'm seeing right now. Jesus. Jesus, right, the one who wouldn't take on all the kingdoms that Satan offered him because he had one that he wanted to bring. Let's not be Christians who get so reasonable with our faith, so reasonable with our love, that we compromise which kingdom we're bringing into the earth. And so Jesus is, he's, I'm going to build it up in three days. I'm going to take what Herod thought he could do in 46 years to become the guy, and in three days I'm going to do it. Therefore, the Jews said, this, this sanctuary, 46 years, how would you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the sanctuary of his body. So when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the statement Jesus had made. So Jesus says this statement, says this thing in front of these priests, and it wasn't until a little while later that Jesus actually dies and rises again, and the disciples remember it. Here are the disciples, the disciples who had followed Jesus for three years, and now they remember, and now they really believe, and now they fully understand. So here's what's going on. The temple has different courtyards, different areas that you could go. I would think of it maybe like a sports stadium, right? You got the parking lot, then you move towards the gate, then you get on the inside, and you're not fully in yet, but you're, you're kind of in, and then you get into the stadium, and then you get to your seat. There's all kinds of levels, all kinds of places, and there were certain people allowed in certain places. You couldn't sit on the bottom deck if you didn't have the right kind of ticket. And so if you weren't a Jew, and even in the Jewish tradition, you would have had certain levels. Again, there was, there was the woman's court, and then there was other, so it was like this kind of, Barricaded thing. There's, you wouldn't make it in as far. Now, the Gentiles had they, the Gentile court. Now, it was the furthest away from the Holy of Holies. It was as far away from the middle of the temple as you could possibly get. So the Gentiles never went into really the fullness of the temple. They, they were always on the outside. And what was happening is that uh, the priest and, the, and those in the, they would inspect the sacrifice because still at the time there were, certain, um, there were certain requirements for the sacrifice you would bring into the temple. 
And there was nothing wrong about that at the time. Jesus isn't even necessarily uh, critiquing that. He's just saying there, there were certain standards. What Jesus was this unblemished sacrifice for us, right? And he's fulfilling the law. That's what Jesus is doing. There's all kinds of things. We, we, you, all, you all want to do Bible class? We'll just stay here all day. I'd have to go read some books. But, um, uh, you know, and, uh, but Jesus is, um, is th- this unblemished sacrifice. So, the, so these people are all on a journey. Many of them have come for days. And so it's kind of one of those things where it's like, it's like right now if you walk into a store and you've forgotten your mask. And you're like, okay, I'm in a conundrum. Like I don't know if I should like go get one or if I should be. I, I don't. And so these guys would get to the place. And then, like, going into a stadium, they would have the wands, you know, they'd go, they'd look over your sacrifice, and if there's anything in your purse or anything in your, in, anything you've got that doesn't, isn't allowed in here, they would tell you, this doesn't match up, this doesn't line up. You don't get to bring this. So, like, you ever try to take a, a soda into a game, they tell you no. Now, you bought that soda for a buck seventy nine at 7-Eleven on the corner. And when you walk into the stadium, what are they going to sell that same Soda, and it ain't even the same. It's less because they put tons of ice in it, right? It's going to be five, six, seven bucks for that one. Wait, so you're not worried about my soda. You just want to charge me more for it. And so what was happening is you would have these people coming from day's journey. There was no going back and, oh, I'll be back. I'll go get what I need. I'll bring it to you. My bad. No, no, it was like leave that here, and you need to buy a sacrifice that is up to standard. Now, again, the premise of that, just, just remember the customs of the day. That, that premise, that idea was not wrong. It's that the, the money changers and those who were there were, were charging an immense amount of interest. So they weren't charging you the buck 79. They were charging you seven bucks for the dove that you needed to buy. or the, all, They were charging you way more than what you had brought. Okay. And so what Jesus is noticing is that these people are benefiting off of someone who is not rich, who doesn't have it all, who can't go back home. The way the system is set up is it's not helping. So they would walk into this space, and they'd immediately be in a tough spot. They'd give them a month's wage so they could do one sacrifice at the temple because theirs didn't check out. So there is an element here of justice that Jesus is applying to this moment. Jesus is absolutely saying, you are taking advantage of a particular group of people and not allowing them to be here and not allowing them to enjoy or walk into this fully or completely. So he's absolutely doing that. But what is also happening is he's in the Gentile court. He didn't choose, because some of us think that, like, it's a, you know, it's a room this size, and it's 35 acres. Do you really think Jesus had done enough cardio to go flip every table in the entire temple? No. He didn't go around and, and 35 acres flipping tables, hitting everybody with whips and driving out. No, he didn't do that. The disciples are still in the corner going, what is happening right now? I don't know him. No, Jesus is, he's doing it in a particular place. And where is he doing it? In the Gentile court. Why? Because the Jews had set up their business in the court of the Gentiles. The place that the Gentiles would come to pray, the Gentiles would come to worship, was the place that was now crowded with business, commerce, and so much so that they didn't have any room to do what they had come there to do. Now, up until this point, the Jewish people would have thought, that this Messiah was only coming for them. 
What is Jesus doing? What is Jesus saying? What is Jesus declaring when he shows up in the Gentile court, the court furthest away from the Holy of Holies, and begins to cleanse the temple? I, I, uh, I've got, obviously, I've got two boys at home, and, uh, and they still, we're still working on them cleaning their room, uh, much like <laughs> most spouses are working on their husbands cleaning their room, still to this day. Um, and uh, and they, these boys, that, man, they, and they got great-grandparents and great-uncles and aunts, and so they have way too many toys, like way too many. And there's just no real strategy right now. We did a garage sale with uh, Aunt Mallory and Uncle Bradley yesterday and the day before, and crazy amount of stuff, and it was for a great cause, and it was awesome. It went super well. And, uh, and I remember Mary, I came home on Thursday or something, and Mary goes, I, I took a bunch of stuff without them noticing. Like threw it in trash bags, like, or just get it there without them. Because I was the one who was going to take them with the stuff over to the house. And I was like, just hurry. Because here's what happens. The boys take all their stuff, and then you walk through their room. Uh, Grayson has a habit of waking up really early before anyone else should be up in the world. And so I always have to go get him. And then I, I end up bringing him into our room sometimes. And, and uh, sometimes I get him to sleep, whatever. And, uh, and so I remember, I, you always have to walk in. And if we didn't go through a round of cleanup the night before, yeah. And then our dog is so old now. She's gotten to the point where she's been potty trained all her life, but she ain't potty trained anymore. So I'm like, I'm walking through the house, 4.35, 5.30 in the morning, trying to make sure, like, trying to see if I can, got the flashlight, you've already done this with the phone, I got the flashlight covered up just enough to where I can see, but it doesn't wake anybody up. And the worst thing I could do is wake Grayson up, because then he's up, and then it's bad, right? So I'm, I'm doing that, I'm stepping around dog stuff, and then I'm, then I'm walking in their room trying to avoid certain things, and I got to remember it all because once I pick him up, there's no more flashlight because right? I got to hold him. So I'm just, okay, left two steps, right? It's like doing two-step with Meredith because I don't do that country line dance and stuff. And, uh, and you just got to remember, okay, I think it's, okay, yeah? I got to remember where it is because there's no room for me in there. I remember yesterday we, uh, we have a decent-sized backyard, and it's, um, it's a, it was just full of, we got this pine tree that just drops all those pine needles, and then they got something called gumdrops. They're not gumdrops. They're pain things and stuff, and like, and they're just le everything, and we were like, forget it. Let's just have somebody come do it. So her dad's guys came over and did it all, and for the first time in a minute, we all just hung out in the backyard. Like, oh, this is nice. We should do this. It's amazing sometimes how when we don't make room, we don't take advantage of it. When we don't have the space. We don't walk into the space. And what Jesus is doing in this moment, this prophetic act, because he hasn't died and risen yet. Paul hasn't begun preaching to the Gentiles yet. Gentiles are anyone other than the Jewish people at this point. The Jewish people would have been the chosen people. The Gentiles would have been on the outside, so they had to stay on the outer court, Right? And Jesus is making this prophetic declaration. He's saying to them, I am now the temple. It's wild. The Gentiles must have been watching this going, yes, let's go. Do it. Yeah, come on. That's, that's good form of that whip. Like, that's good. They're, I mean, the Gentiles probably quicker than the disciples jumped in and said, yeah, get out of here. We came to pray. We came to worship. 
and all this junk that sometimes the church puts in way of people who have honest questions, real questions about Jesus, real thoughts, people who just want to come in and sit down and pray and worship. How I love about C3 Fort Worth. Y'all don't put those walls up. I love it. I think there's a lot of great churches that don't either. Sometimes it's easy to just kind of go, the church. A lot of people doing that these days, posting stuff. Well, the church, yeah. What church are you going to? But sometimes we put these barriers, not even for other people. Sometimes we put them for ourselves. We put ourselves in the outer court, right? And then we busy up our lives with all kinds of other things. And Jesus is constantly going, God, would you stop doing that? Get this stuff out of here. You came to worship, just worship. You came to pray, just pray. You came to seek me and find me, do that. You came to ask questions, you can do that. You came because you're curious, okay. You're allowed to be here. And here's what's the most amazing thing. I thought about this as I was laying in bed last night. These people had come to Jesus or come to the temple to see their God. And God left the Holy of Holies. He left the inner courts and he came to them. And Jesus declared in that moment that the temple was not going to be the way it had always been. The temple had come to you. The place that Jesus dwells was now with you. That Jesus was going to make a way where Jews and Gentiles, the gospel of peace, of wholeness, of fullness, was showing up at your doorstep, clearing the tables, clearing all the junk that had gotten in the way of you and I and everyone in the city of Fort Worth, seeing Jesus as he deserves to be seen. This is the prophetic thing that Jesus wants to do then and he wants to do now. He wants to declare to you and I to get rid of all the things that would be in the way of people getting close. And for some of us, we have to do the same because the temple has come to you. The money, the skill, the stuff, the talents, the abilities, all the things that we put in front of pure and unreasonable love of Jesus. I love it. Jesus didn't hang out in the Holy of Holies and go, hey, could y'all go sort that out? Jesus didn't hang out closest to the ark, even though he's probably the most qualified. Paul models this the same way. Man, I've become all things to all people. Why? Because Jesus loves all of them. Man, I, I could be persuasive here, but then I'd lose the efficacy of the cross. The cross is foolishness. What Jesus was doing, flipping tables, chasing oxen, Pouring out the money. It's like going to the mouse garage sale and going, hey, can I see the money? And just dumping it on the ground. See, we get it wrong when we think Jesus flipped tables to, to shove it to the man and I'll dare you, oh, anything I don't like. No, Jesus was going, hey, all of you who have been crowded out, all of you who have missed it, all of you who have not been able to come close, I've come close to you and I've made room for you. And the church, the church, the church must continue to make 
room for people, even if we don't always understand, even if we don't always get it, even if we sometimes disagree, we are the church, and there will be no tables here that are filled with things to sell. There will be tables here filled with plates of food saying, you are welcome here. This is my prophetic declaration to you, that we would be a church that pulls up the chair and says, eat with me. I want to know you and to know your story, and I trust God enough in the midst of your story and mine, even though they're different, even though they come from different places, even though they have maybe different endings. I want you to understand I trust God enough to know that he loves you so deeply that he would flip tables to remind you that you belong. He would drive out the animals to remind you that you deserve to be here. He would leave the place that he deserves to be, to show up in the place that you are and to tell you that he loves you, to show you that beyond all things, his love for you is unreasonable. It makes no sense, and it will continue to make no sense. And if we can live in the makes no sense kind of love, then we will fully understand who Jesus really is. Are there stands for righteousness? Absolutely. Are there things to hold tightly to? Absolutely. But we don't do that. The compromise of relationship and love and grace and mercy and an open heart to the image-bearing people that walk around you every day, even if they don't look like you, talk like you, speak like you, believe like you do. God created them. And he came close so that they could be closer than they'd ever been to what the real temple was. Jesus has built the temple again. And now you and I can come close every single day to let go of bitterness, to let go of anger, to let go of unforgiveness, to let go of even pain and hurt, and to realize he's flipped tables so you could be here. thing. The word is powerful and creative and cuts through the bone and the marrow, cuts through all the junk and says to you and I, you're welcome here. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus has come close to you. You don't need to get on the inside. You don't need your ticket punched. You don't need to be, I'm not going to check it at the door. I'm your ticket. I'm your place. I'm your person. I'm your Savior. I'm your grace. This message, this gospel of peace. How do you see Jesus now? How do you see Jesus right now? Let's not forget that view of Jesus. Let's keep our eyes on him. Lord, I thank you so much for today. I thank you that you are alive and well. I thank you that you are right now. Even in some of us, our hearts and minds, you're, you're flipping stuff, you're driving stuff out, you are making room for true worship. Like when you came along and that woman and, and she said, well, some worship on this mountain and some worship on that one, and you said, nah, there will be a day when it won't be the mountain that makes it sacred. There will be a day when it doesn't, it's not the mountain that makes it true worship. And that day is coming quicker than you think because the kingdom is near. Repent, return, come back to me because I have brought the kingdom with me. And if you want to know true worship, if you want to know 
the unreasonable kind of love. If you want to walk empowered in the Holy Spirit, if you then come to me. Don't look to the temple to clean you up. No, because I am the temple. I have rebuilt the temple in three days, and now I am the one. And you have become temples. You have become those living, breathing temples of God, carry the presence of God into every place, every street, every heart. Help people see Jesus like never before. But that depends on you and I being willing to see Jesus like never before. So I'm going to ask you just 30 seconds or so to raise your hand in a moment. If you say, yeah, I'm, I see Jesus in a new way today. And I just want to make the decision right now. For some of you, it's the first time you've ever made a decision like this. And this doesn't, I mean, this is, this is just you going, I'm, I'm walking with Jesus. And some of us have lost the wonder. Some of us have never had it. Some of us have never seen this Jesus. And it's set something loose even as we share it today. If you want to lean into that, you just want to simply say, I surrender. I surrender to that Jesus. The Jesus who flipped tables to get close. Jesus who flipped tables to make room, to clear a path for all of us. If you want to do life with that Jesus, would you just right now, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray with you. I just want to pray with those of you who go, yeah, I, I, need, to, I need to go with that Jesus. I've got some stuff in my life. I need him to flip some tables. I need him to make some room. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Jesus. I want you to stand with me. We're going to pray. We're going to worship together as we close out. 